everyone, and welcome to Magical Streaming, a podcast where we watch Disney Plus, talk about it, give you some facts, some history of the shows, movies, etc. on it. My name is Amber. I'm Marie. And today we're going to be talking about Frozen. That is right. We are doing a special episode today. Instead of going in the chronological order as we had originally started doing and will probably continue doing afterward, uh, we are decided to watch and review Frozen this week because this week Frozen 2 is coming out into theaters and we are going to be going to see it on Saturday. Ooh. That was such an excited woo. Saturday was a- days away. Yeah, it was the same kind of uh, excited where you would make on the Frozen ride. I have some hot takes about the Frozen ride. But... <laughs> okay, we're a little too early on for that. It's, it's not hot take time yet. It's history time. Is it history time or is it synopsis time? Oh, it's synopsis time. Mm-hmm. All right, so as uh, if previous... we're living under a rock in 2013 and you have no idea what frozen is here's the synopsis all right so synopsis once again taken off of disney plus itself fearless optimist anna teams up with rugged mountain man Kristoff in a race to find anna's sister elsa whose icy powers have trapped the kingdom of arendelle in eternal winter synopsis are so fascinating to me I feel like they so rarely, either they tell the entire story or they like. This is fair. This is a fair synopsis. I take no issue with with this synopsis. Is it really a race though? I mean, I guess in a sense, because Arendelle's going to stay frozen over otherwise. But like. And they don't have surprise. It's, It's not good. Also, do we really see Kristoff as... Like, Kristoff is like, we'll leave in the morning. And Anna's like, no, we'll leave now. Right now. Yeah, but that's just because she's worried about Elsa. Not, well, maybe a little worried about Arendelle as well. But mostly she's worried about Elsa. Also, are we really... You you would really categorize Kristoff as a rugged mountain man? Yes. Okay. All right. That's, that's now it's opinion. history time. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, even though this is not in chronological order, there is a reality where it could have been because Walt was in talks to co produce a film about Hans Christoph Anderson's life where another company would be doing the live action and Disney would be doing the animation based on different stories of Anderson's, including the Snow Queen, which Frozen was based off of. And they started this uh, project in the 1940s, but because of the war in 42, they shelved the entire thing. So this could have been a movie, a very different movie, likely... Um, with the Snow Queen as the villain with the Snow Queen as the villain with the original closer to the original text back in the 40s but no good idea ever truly dies so in the 90s they pulled it back up and said we're in the midst of a renaissance you know what the Snow Queen we could do that but it proved really difficult to try and find the right balance. And ultimately it was scrapped back in 2002. However, they just had to wait for the right people to come along because it was announced on December 22nd, 2011, that Frozen, a take on the Snow Queen, would be being produced by Disney as a CGI animation and that it would be coming out two years later. 
So they got to work. And even then, even with the new direction, they had to make a lot of changes to get the story that we know as Frozen today. And they struggled through it at times as well because rewriting lasted all the way through June 2013. Yikes. Yeah, it's very late in the game because the premiere was November 27th, 2013. This is not quite Fantasia level of four hours before the premiere finishing things up, but it is. Still pretty last minute. That's pretty last minute to be doing uh, rewrites. So the film was made on $150 million in 2013, which adjusted for inflation in 2019 is $165 million. I am mad that inflation continues (laughs) okay yes well it's only been six years and okay what was it 155 to 169 150 to 165 okay so 15 million dollars worth of inflation over six years yep Uh, granted it's it's, you know the higher the not more it's going to add on to it but I don't know I'm just continue so Kristen Bell and Idina Menzel were some of the first cast and casting was announced all the way from uh, 2012 into 2013 until the final cast list was released Kristen and Idina sang together as part of their audition process, there hadn't been any finished music that was available for them to audition with. So they sang Wind Beneath My Wings together and everyone teared up and said, they've got to they've gotta be it. So that is how we got our leading princesses. And that will lead us into some trivia. Marie, what do you got from us? Okay, well, first of all, now I need to look up to see if that song is available somewhere online, because I want to hear it, if it exists somewhere online. Um, Trivia-wise, let's see what do I got. Let's do some fast trivia here. Um, All right, so, well, firstly, is more fact than trivia, so I guess kind of a bridge from history to trivia. Uh, In terms of awards, Frozen was the very first Walt Disney Animation Studios motion picture to win an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature Film, which, to be fair, that category did not exist until 2001. So a lot of previous Disney movies didn't really have a chance at that category. But, yes, and actually... Um, if you now encompass Pixar into the Disney family, they have won, well, up until Frozen, they had won eight altogether. Uh, and then since Frozen, they have added one, two, three, four, <laughs> four more to, so they've now won 12 All right. since 2001, uh, which I mean, they are one of the big players out there for Disney animation, so Disney animation, for animation movies, so not entirely surprising. Uh, But yes, but it was the first Disney animation picture to win that award. And uh, of those 12, actually, there's still only just three, I believe, that are Disney. The other ones are Pixar. Yes. So obviously, we just said Frozen, um, mm-hmm. Zootopia. That is correct. And Moana? No, Moana lost to Zootopia. Oh, right. They were the same year. I forgot about that. Yes, they were the same year. Oh. No, the third one was it, was it before track? or after Zootopia? It was before. Before. Uh, Big Hero 6? 
That is yes. correct. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. You win nothing. I win the respect of the podcast listeners. Continue. Anyway, so yes, not only did it win the best animated feature film of the year, it was also the first um, motion picture to win multiple Academy Awards since Pocahontas in 1996. Uh, so best animated feature. It also won best original song for Reindeers Are Better Than People. <laughs> uh I mean, it should. <laughs> it really should. But no, it was for Let of It Go. Of course it was. Of course it was for Let It Go. Which, honestly, such a mood. Such a mood of a song. I know it's... I know a lot of people, and probably you included, I know a lot of people are tired of that song. I'm not as tired. I was tired of it for a while because it was everywhere all the time. And I got tired of it. But now I can appreciate it again because it's not. Six years into the, six years into the making, now you are able to appreciate Let It Go. No, I appreciated it before. before. And then... It got too much. And I was like, I don't want to hear this song anymore. All right. So days before, we will find out what is going to be the next most overplayed Frozen song for the years to come. You are finally... Can I I place my bets? Into the Unknown is going to be the overplayed Frozen song. It is going to win Academy Award for Best Original Picture Uh, Song. Best Original Picture. Best Original Song. Uh, I'm... (laughs) I'm placing my bets now. You, I, you are probably correct. It's going to be Elsa's power ballad again. So, yes, I, I don't doubt that Into the Unknown is likely to be just that. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to listen, to hear the whole of it, though. Like, I've only heard parts of, parts it, of yeah. it. Yeah, it does sound pretty good. I mean, it, you know, it's a Disney song. <laughs> It's so rare that they go wrong. But honestly, let it go. I understand. It's pivotal. It's powerful. It's it's a lot of things. It's her release. You know what it's not. You know, it's what a is bop. That's because it's a ballad. Okay, well, the bop of Frozen is Love is an Open Door. It's what I have on my playlist. I do not have it let it go on my playlist, but I do have Love is an Open Door on my playlist. And every time I hope I hope you mean your general playlist here and not your Disney playlist. I don't have a separate Disney playlist. What? <laughs> what kind of person are I you? I am the kind of person who has over five hundred songs on my general playlist, which reigns from Nirvana to Taylor Swift to Love is an open door to Phineas and Ferb to Poison to Rascal Flats to uh, Logic. I mean, that's really just <laughs> what, like 80s rock, Disney music, and country music. Well, I guess no, you also mean more recent Taylor Swift songs. So that's also pop I also have a ton of pop. I've got some Jonas Brothers thrown in there. I've got. Um, Ariana Grande. Do you have some musical? I don't have any musicals. musical songs that are not. <laughs> what? It's my playlist. I'll do what I want with it. How how are we married? Well, in 2012, we went to a notary. <laughs> okay. I, we should have discussed our music taste a little more before You then. should have told me that you don't respect Snow White before done. then, but here we are. Okay, you need to let it go. That's right, I did. No. <laughs> where, where do you got? What else trivia you got? Tell me something. I Tell me something I don't know. Something you can respect. <laughs> to quote Selena Gomez, another staple in my playlist tell me something i don't know all right well uh another first for frozen which i do believe you will appreciate is that 
it was the first full-length Disney animated feature mm-hmm. film to be directed by a yes. woman, Jennifer Lee. Get it. Yes, who is now in charge of Disney Animation Studios. Get it, queen. Yes. Uh, she was also the first woman to write an entire screenplay for a Disney animated feature film since Linda Wolverton uh, for Beauty and the Beast in 1991. Get it, queen. Yeah. And then some other firsts. Do I have other firsts or am I just moving on to? Let me see. Um, all right. We have also... Uh, Elsa is the first Disney princess to be crowned queen on screen during the movie. Mm -hmm. Although she is the second Disney animated princess to become a queen during the film. Okay. Do you know who was the first one? Um... No, you don't. Um... I I mean, okay, let... Let's see. No. <laughs> I don't. Like, is the Beast... Thank you for drawing The Beast it. is a prince. But how is he a prince when... He seems to have no parents. So shouldn't he be a king? I suppose. But Belle and the prince don't get married during Beauty and it's the Beast. A so that is neither here nor there. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess. All right, tell me the answer then. I mean, by that logic... No, never mind. The Prince Charming's dad is Yes, he is. Oh, but uh, Prince Eric... Prince Eric also doesn't have parents that we know Right, and they flat out do get married, so... Yeah, but they still call him Prince Eric. Is it like that you can't be king until you have a queen? Yeah, we're straying off a little bit. Okay, the real uh, answer, <laughs> according to the internet. You have a real answer? I... You'll, you'll get a real answer once we get to trivia about Little Mermaid. Tell me the answer. Okay. Uh, so the first Disney princess who became a queen during her movie was Kida from Atlantis. But she... Okay, I mean, I guess her dad dies. Yes, he very much like, does. I don't, I don't know what the rules of secession are in Atlantis. I mean, she is the only surviving heir. But sometimes you can't be an heir unless you have... Do you not remember the Princess Diaries too? Okay, but then she has Milo. Well, they're not married. Oh, okay, so it's implied that that Belle and the Beast get married, but it's not implied no, because... that Kida and Milo get married? No. <laughs> Where, where's that logic from? They're both dressed in royal, in royal garb at the end of the movie. No, so why is it not implied, not implied that they get married? Okay, well, anyway, she becomes queen, okay? She is Queen Kida. Deal with it. Fine, continue. Tell me something else. (laughs) All right, so I have a few Easter eggs here. Okay. And things of that nature. Um, Now, one of the more popular ones about Frozen that a lot of people noticed right off the bat is that during, for the first time in forever, when the gates are finally open and Anna runs off into the crowd, she goes. Rapunzel and Eugene from Tangled. They are seen in the left side of the screen and Rapunzel has her short brown hair. So I guess this is between the movie and the series when her blonde hair grows back. All right. I'm I'm willing to buy that. Yeah. You know, there were rumors that they are cousins. And I buy that one more. Okay, um, that's going to be for hot takes. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> there are a couple of hidden Mickeys as well in the okay. movie. Tell me uh, where to... you... Okay, you can find them. Uh, the first one you can find is during Do You Want to Build a Snowman? 
when Anna is laying on the floor in front of the clock and there is a Mickey sitting on the top left hand corner of the bookshelf. And then later, when we are into Wandering Oaken's trading post and sauna, there is a mm-hmm. plush Mickey Mouse on one of the shelves. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I love hidden Mickeys. I think they're fun. Yeah, I don't, I like, I've never done one of those. Um, I haven't bought the book, the hidden Mickey book for the parts. I don't want to buy, listen, I want to discover them organically. Yeah, but then I guess the thing with that is that you never know how many you've found or like if you've found them all. It's not a competition. <laughs> well, I guess for some people it is. Not for me. Let me organically enjoy my hidden Mickeys. All right. Well, there you go. Two of them in Frozen that I know of. Uh, And then another little tidbit that is more of a nod than like actual Easter egg uh, is during Olaf's song in Summer. Mm Mm-hmm. When he is dancing with the four seagulls. Yes. Throws back to one of the classics, Mary Poppins, when Bert dances with the four penguins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see that. Also, in summer, a bop. Yeah. You know what? You know what I consider to be a bop? Rangers are better than people. Leave that. Okay, you already brought that one up. That's enough. (laughs) I just think it fixer deserves more upper. love. It does deserve more love. I also remember. Fixer, okay, Fixer Upper is a bop. You're right. I like it. And also, I remember a lot of people were not happy with the fact that Jonathan Groff only got like not even 30 <laughs> seconds of singing. You know when what? When he is a renowned Broadway actor, which you I know what I know him from. Hmm. Mindhunter. What? Mindhunter on Netflix. Not to promote a rival streaming service, but guys, if you haven't watched Mindhunter, Jonathan Groff stars as a behavioral scientist with the FBI studying serial killers. (laughs) What does that have to do with what I just said, though? That's how I know Jonathan. You're like, ah, because he's a Broadway actor. But that's not how I know him. I know him. Well, yes, he's a multi-talented, multi-faceted person. Like, you also have Idina Manzo, who did a movie, and who straight up starred in Rent. Two very different genres. Yes, also Broadway. I'm just saying. If you have kids... And Idina Manzel is coming to your city for a one-woman show. Do not take your kids. That's all I'm going to say. I'm also going to say, if you have kids, don't watch Mindhunter with them, as you probably guessed from the serial killer studying, but really don't. But if you can tuck the kids away, watch Mindhunter. It's great. Season two, drop this year. Season three is coming. Watch it. All right. Well, we're definitely not getting sponsored by Disney now. (laughs) as if that was ever a chance alright let's see what are some more fun facts that I found Uh, one that I found in terms of the casting casting okay great yes which I found to be interesting because of the fact that if it had gone through that way the movie would have been very different yes Um, the first one is for Olaf was cast as Olaf and a bunch of people auditioned the first choice for the role was Steve Carroll Steve Carell Carell. I'm sorry they wanted to make Gru Olaf okay that is not what I know him most as like that's that's not the first role that comes to mind for me when I think of of him everybody thinks of Michael Scott (laughs) yes but even like movie roles the first movie I think about 
when I think of him is not Despicable Me. What is it? Crazy Stupid Love. Fair enough. But when I think about animation and Steve Carell, I immediately think of Despicable Me. Well, yes. There's been three of them now. Yes. (laughs) So, yes, that was for Olaf. And then before Idina Manzel got the part of Elsa, they had originally cast Megan Mullally. Cool. You don't know who Megan Mullally is, do you? I could Google her right now if I wanted. I'm not impressed with you. She is... Well, I guess the thing she is... One of the things she's very well known for is not something you've ever watched, which is Will and Grace, in which she plays Karen. And has a very... Okay, see, here's the thing. I know it's not her actual voice, but she has such a distinct voice as Karen in Will and Grace that I have a hard time dissociating it from her. And all I can think about now is Elsa with Karen Walker's voice, which would have been so weird. Uh, Let's see. What did she do that you might have seen? You saw the Fame remake, didn't you? I did see the Fame remake, but it's been some years. Well, she's one of the teachers in it. She's one of the vocal coaches. Yeah. Yeah, remember when they go do the karaoke? No. (laughs) Oh, my God. Here's what I remember from Fame. The creepy guy uh, who tries to pressure uh, Kate Bannerbaker's character into sleeping with him. The kid that almost commits suicide. And the girl who drops out to be in Sesame Street. Those are like the things that I remember. That stuck with you from fame. (laughs) Okay. Uh, She did do a voice for Hotel Transylvania 2. I know Hotel Transylvania too, like the back. I know of my- you do. She's Grandma Linda. Grandma you don't know that. <laughs> oh, so I know like, Hotel. So uh, Johnny's mom. It probably yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty. Yeah. Johnny's mom. Okay. Um, yeah. She actually also did a few voices on Bob's Burger. Who? Uh, Gail. Gail? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know what she sounds like now. Okay. Well, there you go. That could have been Elsa. Okay. And, like, she was cast for it from what I can, from what I found. Well, and then they replaced her, I guess. Maybe it was before they. Never mind. Maybe this was back when Elsa was supposed to be the villain. And then when they redid the concept, they were like, sorry. Actually, we have to go in a different direction. Can you imagine? Like, I'm going to be in a Disney movie as one of the main characters. And then they're just like, "Mm, never mind. You know, I'm getting, uh, I feel like this is not the only I feel like she was supposed to be Dory. No. I they think base, they based Dory on Ellen DeGeneres after watching uh, her on her talk show switch topics so rapidly and like so haphazardly. They were like, this woman just doesn't know what she's talking about. She's talking in circles. So they no, based no. Dory on Ellen. No, I swear to God. Megan Mullally was cast to play Dory in Finding Nemo. And um, one of the things that she straight up said from the beginning was that she wasn't going to do Karen's voice from Will and Grace. And then when they started the recording, they wanted her to do the voice. She refused to do it, and then they fired her, or, like, they parted ways. All right, well, 
let's move on. Yeah, we just strayed a lot. But, uh, yeah. So, in terms of other cast facts, there are a few more things that the cast have in common, which is that not only Idina Menzel, but also Kristen Bell, auditioned for the role of Rapunzel in Tangled. Interesting. Then, I couldn't see Idina being Rapunzel. Yeah, her voice is t- like her voice is very distinct, but I guess maybe you can't see it because her voice is so different from Mandy Moore's, and that right. just but like Mandy the personality. I picture, you know, kind of a lighter, bubblier voice. I suppose, but I I wouldn't say that Idina can't do a bubblier. Like this is that's what Elsa is. I think because, in case anybody didn't know, this is not the first Disney movie Idina's been in. That's correct. She has also been in Enchanted. Enchanted, where she plays kind of the counter to Amy Adams' bubbly, happy Giselle. Okay, but in the end, she's the one that goes back to animated I land. Know, but you know, she's not. That's she's kind of presented as the counter to her. So that's why, I guess. And I guess she also actually kind of plays the counter to Kristen Chenoweth's very bubbly, right? Like high pitched. Exactly. Yeah, I guess she she kind of comes in and does that contrast exactly. a lot of times. So they both auditioned for Tangled, but it all worked out in the end because they were a part of Frozen, which was even a bigger hit. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, also, actually, Santino Fontana auditioned for the role of Flynn Rider. So that worked out for him. Too. <laughs> yes. I mean, I arguably, Flynn do you want to be known as the Ben Hans, but. Like, do you want to be known as the Disney villain or do you want to be known as the Disney prince? I guess it depends on... There's something to be said for both. Especially for this kind of villain, which was pretty new. Oh my goodness. Do you remember... How many times did you see uh, Frozen in theaters? I think I only... Oh, twice. I think twice. I saw it three times in theaters. Uh, (laughs) Oh... For someone yeah. who is like, I mean, you like Frozen, but it's not, I, you wouldn't put it right. even in your top Part 10. of the reason why I agreed to go see it after is the big reveal of Hans as the villain. I love, y'all, I, there's nothing more that I love than being in a theater pool of people who react to a movie. People who are seeing it for the first yes. time. Who are just like reacting. When we went to go see Avengers Endgame, that theater was my jam. Everybody was gasping. Oh, it was amazing. People were people clapping. Clapped, some I people love... would think that's horrific. I love Yeah, some people don't like reactive theaters. Audience who react. I think it I think it depends on the movie also. Like for some movies, it would be too much. For Endgame, it was perfect. And then the kind of reactions we got out of the crowds for Frozen were also perfect for Frozen. Like, if some if people started clapping for, I don't know. I don't know what people would clap. Kristoff, <laughs> uh, bursting through the crowd. The, no, but like when he comes back and Olaf sees him. Right. Like galloping back towards Anna. If people had started clapping for that, I would be like, what are you on? But, but you know, the reactions When were, Hans they were, delivers his famous line. Yes, the big reveal. And everybody's like, <gasps> that's, that's the moment. I would, whoever I was, I was with, I was around, I was stealing looks. I was like, I want to see your face. I want to see how you're going to react to this. <laughs> it was, yeah. And you know, actually, this big reveal is the first time in the movie that Hans removes his gloves. Mm-hmm. Because gloves in this movie have symbolism. Right? 
that they like you know with the conceal don't feel don't don't let it show it's not just it's not just about Elsa's powers it's also about Hans and his motives ultimate evil scheme right and he is the only villain who whose evil villain song is not overtly an evil villain song yeah it's just like you're like this is a fun you know this kind of subtle nothing nothing wrong comes out of a bop like it doesn't sound like a villain song until you go back and re-listen to it or re-watch it and you realize that they're not a hundred percent in sync all the time you know for the for the most part the song talks about how they are so much alike and they are in sync but when you look at it sometimes he's just like trying to catch up to her and he he's just mm-hmm. not entirely there and then obviously the whole the line with i've been searching my whole life to find my whole place my own place sorry and of course love is is an open door because he closes no because it's his opening to a throne oh i'm sorry i didn't see that one (laughs) I, I didn't. I didn't make that connection. Yeah, the whole thing is about love is an open door. Yeah, it's his open door into a throne. But he does close the door on her. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think I just made another link. I think here. you made up okay, a link, um, and I'm gonna let you have it. Thank um, you. We can get in. We will get to Hans and our our villain ranking. But do you have any more trivia before I start telling you about the staying power of Frozen? Uh, I have a couple more things. Um, All right. Okay. One one that I find pretty funny. In early designs, the giant snow monster, who is known as Marshmallow, Marshmallow, that is created by Elsa. Mm -hmm was supposed to be a giant version of Olaf. Just like a That is... Do you know what I'm thinking about right now? What are you thinking about? You know in Shrek 2, where they make a giant gingerbread man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it probably... But instead, it's Olaf. (laughs) But he's just, like, big and stupid. I mean, that kind of goes along with the reason they did away <laughs> with that design because even though they thought it was pretty cute and kind of funny, ultimately they decided it looked kind of <laughs> Not very intimidating. So, yeah, because I, I, that is exactly what it would have ended up looking like is the giant gingerbread man from Shrek. It would... I, swear to god now that you've said it that's all i can think of and that's the entire feel it would have had i could not have taken that's no monster seriously if it had been a giant if anybody has access to concept art if you know where the concept art is for giant marshmallow olaf send it to me what do you mean it's just a big i want i want to see the draft does he have like angry eyes like did they give him like mean eyebrows to let you know that he's not nice like olaf I want to know what they did to make him like intimidating. Uh, I mean, maybe that's the thing. Maybe they couldn't really make him intimidating. So ultimately, they had to do away with the design. I guess maybe. All right. What else you got? Uh, let's see. One, uh, I've got a couple more. Um, one of the ways, of course, they did a lot of traveling for um, pre-production for the production crew to get a better feel, uh, particularly for Norway. So they went, they spent two weeks in Norway uh, where they studied the landscape, the clothing, they, you know, the buildings, the mm-hmm. music. 
to take from the Norwegian culture, take from the Scandinavian culture, even though Arendelle is a fictional right. place, uh, fictional kingdom was very much based off of Norway specifically. Uh, but also, uh, they did also travel to Wyoming to get a better idea of um, walking through snow, because I guess you have large expenses of snowy okay. ground in the wintertime in All Wyoming. Right. Uh, they also went to Quebec woo-hoo, to make observations about light reflecting and refracting on snow and ice. Uh, but one of the things that they did for the animators, which, according to co-director Jennifer Lee, was the best moment of production for her, is that they brought a live ring yeah! into the studio to study the movement and mannerism for Sven. That is great. And that's just that's just always... Listen, I would love to be on a production crew for a Disney movie because of those kind of perks, like the travel, the bringing in the live animals. Love it. No, I don't want some of those live animals, but I would love to be on a production of a Disney um, movie where they just had to bring in a bunch of cats and I just had to pet the cats all day. Uh, I mean... That maybe they had to do that for the Eurista cats. I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll see when we get. What do you mean we'll never know? That might be. I guess the we'll find out. For the cats. <laughs> we have not gotten to that movie yet. All right, fair enough. And then I have one last little okay, fact, which I think is also pretty funny. Uh, so when Arendelle is getting deeper and deeper buried in snow. Yeah. Uh, there is that one little moment when the two townsmen are arguing over the correct way to stack firewood, bark up or bark down. Yes. This was based on a real debate in Norway that sparked in 2013. After Wait a minute. It was, it was due to a 12-hour TV program on firewood. Wait a minute. The movie came out in 2013. Yeah, but you said they were still... It came out late Okay, so this was early 2013. I don't have okay, the exact fair. date, but I would assume... Okay, fair enough. I, I guess, okay, was it just a funny coincidence? Was it actually a little bit based on it? I think it's a short enough segment that they could have been like, this is really funny. Let's throw it All in. right, fair enough. So I'm going to believe that it was partially based on it. Um, so of that 12-hour program, eight hours were of a live fireplace. So it was, just, you know, one of those yeah. fireplace channels that you put on in the holiday season because you don't have an actual fireplace. And then the network received dozens of texts complaining about how the firewood was stacked. What? <laughs> yes, there were complaints. I guess maybe like it changed up sometimes because there were people complaining about the bark facing up. Or I guess because it wasn't stacked like the same way. Because it's a fire. Right, right, right. You know, it's a fire. It's a fireplace. I understand. So... <laughs> Yes, so about half the people were upset that the bark was facing up, and the other half was upset about bark facing down. <laughs> yeah, so this was a, a real, a real point of uh, debate, heated debate, heated fire. You did your best. Anyway. Don't uh, don't look forward to becoming a jungle cruise skipper just yet, though. <laughs> Okay, so that's about what I have for trivia. All right. What do you have for staying power? So staying power. power here. If you've been to Walt Disney World, you know Frozen is around. You've got it is more than in around. Festival of Fantasy and the Friendship Fair in Magic Kingdom. You can meet Anna and Elsa in Norway. And Frozen Ever After opened June 21st, 2016, quite controversially, in the Norway Pavilion which if you haven't been on, it's a boat ride that takes you through Arendelle and 
we will put a picture on our Instagram of our faces the first time we wrote it, which will show you we were not very impressed. We did not know there was we a camera, so this is not a stage face. picture. Um, also, you can catch the Frozen sing-along first time in forever in Hollywood Studios and meet Olaf there. The first time in forever sing-along opened July 5th, 2014 in Walt Disney World, but the Frozen Ever After sing-along has been in most parks around the world. Um, It was in Disney's California Adventure from January 7th, 2015 to April 17th, 2016. In Disneyland Paris from June 1st, 2015 to January 7th, 2018. In Hong Kong Disneyland from June 11th, 2015 to October 4th, 2015. And has been operating in Shanghai Disneyland. Uh, It had a soft opening May 7th, 2016 and has officially been opened since June 16th, 2016. So Tokyo is the only place never to have had the Frozen sing-along. But who knows about that? Because Arendelle, the world of Frozen, is coming as a land to Hong Kong Disneyland, Tokyo Disney Sea, and Walt Disney Studios in Disneyland Paris. It's slated to open in December 2021 in Hong Kong Disneyland, sometime in 2022 at Tokyo Disney Sea, and sometime in 2023 at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris. So you're saying we got to save up for those plane tickets. I'm saying we always wanted to go back to Paris anyway. Let's go after Arendelle and Marvel Land are open. Fair enough. But we also want to go to the we Asia We definitely parts. need to go to the Asia parts either way. Um, so Arendelle, the world of Frozen will feature Frozen Ever After. Where does that sound? I mean, there is. Uh, potential for it to be maybe a little bit better because they might have more freedom with the right. tracks. So those of you who don't know, Frozen Ever After took the place of the Maelstrom, the old ride in the Norway Pavilion, and it basically just reused the track, put in some animatronics. The animatronics are quite impressive. I will give them that. It's very scenic. Like It, it is a very pretty It is ride. not worth the wait it time just... that it gets. It is not, and it's also not worth you know the the main of it is <laughs> the main. Well, especially because it's tier one. Um, I think the main of it though is the fact that it kind of started toying that line between between the cultural exactly. representation of each pavilion and throwing IP in there, which we now know is not stopping. I have some it's strong, I have on. some strong feelings for Bob Chakepeck if he ever listens to this podcast. Um, the other thing that, <laughs> yeah, she has some strong feelings about IP and Epcot. In um, the other thing that will be coming only to Hong Kong Disneyland is a family style coaster, uh, Wandering Oaken's sliding sliding sleds. Ooh, that sounds that fun. does sound fun. I'm wondering if it's going to be kind of like a Slinky Dog type coaster. Um, but that would be interesting. Uh, otherwise, Disneyland in California at Disney California Adventure. Uh, Frozen is currently live at the Hyperion Theater, so you can watch a stage version and you can meet Anna, Elsa, and Olaf. So that's what we've got for staying power. Um, I mean, did you mention that they are featured in? both the projection show in Magic Kingdom, which I cannot remember the name for the life of me. What? Isn't it Once Upon a Time? Yes. Yes. Don't judge me. I just, we've seen that show like what? We've seen it one time. Exactly. And that was enough. Um, yeah, it is featured. It is featured in fireworks shows. It is featured in World of Color. It is featured heavily in a lot of any projection show. You're probably going to find Frozen in it. Also, um, since was it 2016 or no, it was 2015. What uh, that Elsa for the holiday season? Oh yeah, Elsa, Elsa is now the, the one. 
that replaced the fairy godmother to light up the At castle. Yes. Which makes no yes. sense because it's Cinderella's castle. So we're not going to get into this. Well, they have changed the speech a little. You know, she talks about how they're guests they and she thanks yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Amber's not happy with that. All right, hot takes. Do you want to go back uh, first? What? You can My go hot first. take is this. Even though I understand that people identify with Elsa and they think she's great and she's whatever, and Elsa is the more popular of the duo, Anna is a better person, a more interesting character i know i'm gonna get pushed back on that uh it is her story it is the story anna is the main character in this story it is her story and elsa is a protagonist but kind of also in a way an antagonist in this story um for a lot of reasons so my hot take is Anna deserves much more love and probably should be the more popular princess out of this movie. The hottest of hot takes at me at uh, Ambikin. Is it really that much of a hot take, though? Like, I agree with you. Oh, my goodness. Really? I like Anna. I like Anna better than I like People Elsa. I feel like Elsa. the big thing with so Elsa is that she has the magic and et cetera, et cetera. She's damaged which i know we all love a damaged character it's brooding we want to root for them we want to but i mean in a sense anna has her own type anna, of damage like she has been very sheltered. anna is very damaged as well in a different way she is very yeah. especially once her parents die a lot of low self-esteem low self-esteem but once her parents die the only family she has left avoids her like the plague and she's just trapped in this palace kind of alone and that's really sad and lonely and you know she doesn't have friends she just has she's not even jasmine she doesn't even have like a pet tiger to keep her company she's just it's just her in the paint alone yeah yeah, you know, yeah, I just, I I agree with you. Wow, what's your hot take? Uh, uh, let's see. My hot take is, although Olaf is... <laughs> Marie's gearing up to make enemies at Marie Lightning on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Courtney, please don't hate me after this. Um, I mean, I like Olaf. He's a comedy relief in the movie. Um, obviously, he's very, you know, he's tall. It's <laughs> no, I it's just hard to think of characteristics to describe a snowman. Um, but you know, he's very loyal. He and you can't entirely, you know, blame him for not always knowing his social cues because he is a magical snowman. But he annoys me. At like, Lightning on Twitter. Not, not all the time. And, you know, it's not necessarily always a bad thing. We all have annoying friends. Friends. <laughs> Sometimes. <me> directly. <laughs> Find out who it is. No, I mean... A lot of people have annoying friends or friends who are annoying sometimes. Actually, it's you. I already know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so it's not necessary. Like, it's not a fall down. I hate Olaf. It's just there are there are times when his comedic relief just falls flat for me. Like. You're going to be very controversial. To- when we were watching this, you one of my favorite lines you were like it's not funny it is funny 
I just, to me, it's not funny when he just stands there and he's like, I don't have a skull or bones. It's so like, funny because of the deliverance and the matter-of-factness. I love it. I, I don't have a skull or bones. Like, come No, on. to me, it's like, I don't know. To me, it's just not but my funny favorite Olaf me. line, hands down, is, oh, look, I've been impaled. That's the other one. <laughs> That's so funny, though. It's not to me. Listen, it's just not my kind of humor, okay? It's not. Again, please don't throw rocks at me. Just at her. I don't dislike. Yeah. I don't dislike Olaf. Everyone spam Marie with just... Olaf gifts everywhere. Especially of the line, <laughs> I've been impaled. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. He, like he has a lot of good points. It's just sometimes he annoys me. Um, what other hot take do I have? Do I have other hot takes? Or that one was hot. I think that's hot enough. Let's move to the villain talk. We've talked about Hans quite a bit, but on the villain ranking scale, where are you putting him? It's hard to like. It's hard to compare him to some of the other villains because on one hand. He was straight up about to behead. That is intense. It is intense. Especially, I mean, it didn't happen, obviously. (laughs) But even even just the motion of it and the knowledge. And, like, I guess if you're a child, you're not necessarily looking at that sword heading down and thinking beheading. You're just thinking, oh, he's about to kill her with the sword. But that's straight up what he was about to do. Um, also, the way he manipulates Anna. And there are... Okay. I have read a theory. Which I don't think I agree with. Is this uh, I can see Hans where was coming has- to seduce Elsa first? No, because that's that's not a theory. He says it. Right. But that he, he says Elsa would have been preferred. He dresses in the colors that Elsa wears. And then after meeting Anna, he changes and is now in colors that complement her outfit instead. Okay, but that's not a theory. He <laughs> was planning on going for Elsa. And then when he realized that Anna would be an easy bait, he switches his attention to her. That's not where it was. Okay, going where are you that. going? There was a th- there was a theory that Hans was not actually uh, intending, like the that was not his original intention, and that he like somehow was bewitched by the trolls because trolls have what? magic and some of it can be dark what? magic, and because they want Anna to be with Kristoff. Now, I, I just said I don't believe in that theory. That's a crazy theory. I'm sorry. If you subscribe to this theory, at me the evidence that there is no the evidence. It, and... it, I, I think it's just because he plays the game so well that he plays it not just for Anna. He plays it on the audience as oh, well. Yeah. And so it's harder to pinpoint. Like you really, You have to be looking for them. And that is why it comes as such a shock when he is revealed as a villain is because everything he does leading up to that point seems to be legit until you realizes he's not doing it for Anna. He's doing it for Arendelle. Right. I mean, oh, my other hot take, quick aside, is about Hans. I think he would have been a good king if he hadn't, like, tried to kill people to get where he was. I think he would have actually been a good king and cared for the people of Arendelle. Yeah, like, he could have legit just, or even, like, okay, he probably could not have seduced Elsa. So, that was not really a path for him without Elsa being dead. But, if, like... If Anna was the older one. Yeah, he would, I think he would have made a good king. 
Yeah, I don't disagree. Like, see, the thing for me is where I have a hard time pinpointing where Hans goes on the villain scale is, you know, like I said, beheading. True. Also, uh, he was also going to straight up let Anna die. Mm -hmm. And just the cruelty of it all, of like... If only there was someone out there who loves you. I think the cruelty that sentence is he straight up tells Elsa, uh, you murdered your sister. You kill Yeah, that too. So on one hand, he is a very cruel person in that instance. On the other hand, I cannot help but just view him as a spoiled rich brat. I think those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. That's true. We we could go a lot of ways with that, but I'm, I'm going to leave it right there. So give me a ranking. <laughs> okay. Because he combines the violence and the emotional manipulation um... See, the the thing that's going to get progressively harder with the ranking is, like, do I put this villain higher than a villain I ranked last? Do I put him at the same level? Do I put him lower? Okay, well, there was not but a I... real... We, we, the last two movies, <laughs> you don't have much chicken Okay, with, but So just rank him and don't worry about... This isn't... Uh, this is just about him. Okay. Okay, fine. So I'm going to give him a 9. Okay, you're ranking him higher than I am. I am going to rank him a 7. Um, that is low. Not low. I, I know what I'm doing. Here's the thing. He had a lot of malicious intent. He had a lot of uh, actions that he did. However, like, he never succeeds in anything truly evil. So... Like, he is cruel. He is... I mean, arguably, nor do a lot of the villains. But here's the thing. He does emotionally manipulate Anna. He does... He he left her to yes, die. I, to I, his I, own knowledge. I would argue my, my rankings. He's a seven. He is a seven. Okay, I just don't think that the fact that his evil scheme no, didn't come to fruition should be Listen. a factor in this. Okay, well, keep going. Listen, he is a seven for several reasons. Really, he was only trying to kill members of the royal family that are adults. Like, but like, remember how I mean, people Anna is like a nine because she was a child abuser, and like the coachman was out there, like actually stealing and like sending kids to their death. Okay, the coachman, I gave a 10. Oh, right. Maybe I also gave him a 10. I don't know what... Anyway, the point is, this is adult-on-adult crime, and it's about, like... I think about history and how royalty actually worked, and there was a lot of, like, let's just murder each other to take the throne. So, I mean... So, because it's not a novel thing. Because it, it makes... His motives make... Sense. Yes. Yeah, I'm sticking with my seven rating. Oh, let's move on to rewatchability. Where are you ranking Frozen? I I think it's a movie like I don't watch it as often as I think I could. So I'm not gonna base it on how often I watch it because sometimes it's not necessarily about how often you want to watch something it's how often you have time to okay, watch yeah. something so... um, and also watching other things uh, I think I could straight up watch this movie okay maybe not for the rest of my life but for a decent amount of time I could watch this movie every week and then at some point maybe I, I would go into every month okay I'm gonna go every month I could watch this movie every month and be fine with it I, I don't think I would get tired of it um I don't think I could watch it every day. <laughs> no, I mean, rare are the movies I could watch every day. Oh, you know. 
there are movies I can watch every day. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I know that. Final ranking, I'm going to give Frozen an 8.5 out of 10. That is higher than I thought Thank you were going to give it. And actually, I think I am going to match that. Ooh, ranking. that is lower than I thought you were going to give it. You're full of depression. Okay, see, again, the thing with going too high is after that, it's hard to justify matching things. I suppose. So what are we watching next week then? Um, well, the next on the list, which is if we're going back to chronological order, I believe that would put us at the reluctant dragon, which I have never seen. I'm not even sure entirely what it's about. Um, Ooh, we're going to get a lot of fresh off the cuff hot takes then. Yeah. Um, I, d- I did look a bit it's a fairly short one and I think uh, it combines live action and animation I don't if I remember correctly I think so yeah so yeah. anyway we're, we're gonna find out next week because neither of us have ever seen it so yeah you are gonna get a very very fresh take. all right well take us out of here Yeah, so until next time, enjoy your magical streaming. Bye-bye.